This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This episode of Witching Hour is brought to you by Ergo Pouch, organic, TOG-rated sleepwear and sleep solutions designed for babies and kids to sleep naturally. Shop their new autumn-winter limited-edition Pouch Tales collection from this Thursday. Hello and welcome to Witching Hour, the podcast that looks at what's exciting, delighting, intriguing and frustrating us when it comes to making work work. I'm Lucinda. And I'm Loz. Kicking things off yet again with another cracker of a good news story. I love that this is a good news story, by the way. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good news story or bad, but it's It's like a fact, but I like it because it just (laughs) means that we can do the thing that you're about to tell us to do. Exactly. Researchers from Ohio State University found that most fights between couples is because someone is hangry. So I can obviously attest to that. An easy solve. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When you're grouchy and frustrated and anxious and short with your partner and your kids, likelihood is you might just be hangry. So instead of going to fight your partner, not physically, but you know, sometimes you get in that mental state, just have a little snackaroonie and there you go. Hopefully the problem's solved. Imagine if we just solved all the world's problems with that with that fact. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, I thought it was it very might. funny. So I'm like, I I agree with that. There's often times when Ryan drives me mad and I'm like, you are still driving me mad, but I am also hungry. So the hunger is exacerbating I'll both the madness. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I have a good news story too. I did my first daycare drop off this morning. So we're recording on a Wednesday. This will go live the following Monday. And it went pretty well. Ray was a little bit upset at the start. It was two of the educators that we know the best, which was great. And yeah, I was quite surprised how well it went. I took Posey in. We sat down for a little bit. He kept kissing her on the head. Tiana, his favorite mate, gave him a bicky. And then eventually I was like, you know, I'm starting to do damage by staying here. You know, when you get to the point where you're like, it's probably best I just go for his sake. And Tiana was like, Ray, why don't you show me some cars? And he was a little bit upset for a second. And then he was happy as Larry walked off away from me to show Tiana cars. So I feel like a legend. Did you have to walk or drive? No, I drive there. It's really easy. Yeah. How was the group. getting out of the car situation, you know, with the Look, I was holding them both. I didn't do the capsule. I'm actually oh like, my scared God, to you're lift mad. it for my perineum. Oh, and I feel sorry. like I'm almost yeah. nervous for the extra weight. <laughs> it's heavy. Um, yeah, it's bloody yeah. heavier than what it looks. It's convenient when it you're is. clipping it into a pram, but if you're just holding yes. it, it's like, fuck, it's like an eight kilo yeah. dead weight. I know. So I, yeah, I just got Posey out and put her on the shoulder and took Ray in. But no, that was quite a good news story. And it just made me realize how even like those micro moments should be celebrated and how awesome mums are. We rule. I felt like a superhero. It's true. Let's stop talking about me for a second. Today, why simple is smart. We've talked about this before, but Lozzie's brought some new light to this conversation that I think is worth honing in on. Also, a damaging obsession. How we present success used to be the car or the house. Now it's how we look. And keeping on that theme, I put out a poll to some passionate ready or notters in those digital streets on Instagram. And wow, did you come back with some beauties. Today in community, we are talking all about motherhood and our physical appearance and how we feel about our bodies and our looks post pumping out babies going through pregnancy, all of that fun stuff. Let's go, Lozzie. Why simple is smart. So, Lou, we've spoken about this before um, in terms of corporate jargon, acronyms, when you first start 
try not to overcomplicate things or use the extra long words that no one really gets what they mean. This piece resonated with me because it talks primarily about a journalist who gets asked by a young writer if he had any tips for an aspiring journalist. And as I read it, I thought about how much it equates to everyday work life, particularly if you're returning to work and feeling super overwhelmed and like you don't remember anything, which is pretty much how I felt last week because I have returned to work and we'll chat about that in another episode. I'll give you the whole rundown of how it's all going. I can't wait for that. The crux of this piece are really that organizations want complex ideas made simple. And when you say it like that, I feel like it makes so much sense. So if someone came in and there was a problem and they were trying to overcomplicate it or construct an idea with 55 members of a team and then they took it to another person and they created a spreadsheet, I feel like whoever's at the top is going to be like, someone just give me a solution. Like, let's just simplify it and fix Bring the problem. too many people in is such a good example of that. And you see people do it because they think they're being creative or maybe they're just trying to influence as many people or have as many people know them. But it's a really easy way of going, you are overcomplicating this. Don't bring that person and this person into the meeting. Keep it to the core people that we need on this project. Exactly. One thing in this article, obviously it's about journalism, so it's a little bit different from like everyday work. This is specific about a writer who's teaching newbie um, how to craft a journalism career. But if we apply it to like everyday work for most people, one thing that I thought was interesting in this piece is it says, ways to keep it simple. The notion of why should I care? So your story or question is important, but it's not novel. There's never been a time in human history with more competition amongst writers for reader attention. And the same goes for getting your idea across the line in an organization or even getting time in an executive's calendar. There's so much stuff happening online. Like even, you know, when you're scrolling on Instagram, like organizations themselves are having to come up with new strategies on how to grasp your attention because there's so much content. And when you put that in the context of a workplace, it's kind of similar So as workplaces grow, there's more and more people who have more and more ideas, who have different ways of executing things, who have different concepts that they want to roll out to the organization. Different problems become apparent. So maybe there's a new customer problem or maybe there's a new process problem or whatever it may be. And there's so much noise. So for Mm. an executive coming back to the solution of being like, here is a simple idea on how we can fix this or. Yeah. Like here is a business case. And this is why yeah. we need to solve it. Or just not overcomplicating it. Like as a user in life, I feel like there is so much stuff going around at the moment. And sometimes all you need is someone to be like, hey, would you like this cookie or this cookie? Like I don't want a selection of 500 when I'm at a cafe. I'm overwhelmed. Two things are coming to mind when you're saying this, that it's really interesting and so relevant to so many different industries. One thing is how when you came on board with Ready or Not, we started to really reduce the duration of social clips. Yes. Keep them simple. You don't have people's attention for very long, whether it's in a boardroom, whether it's online, whether it's storytelling, you just don't have much attention these days from people. Everyone is a headline reader. And that was a really interesting way that I've learned to keep things a bit more simple. And the second one is if I think of a business like Apple, everything they do from their branding to their marketing comms to the way they package design a product It's all so simple and they're one of the most effective and successful brands to have ever existed. Absolutely. But if you apply that concept to your workplace, when you get given like 
I'll give you a real life example, not workplace related, but I went to a cafe. I was exhausted. I had a shocking night with both of my children. I was like, stuff that I'm going to sit here and just eat something. I dropped Sienna off at daycare. Sorry, I dropped Dave off at daycare. That's how tired I was. And dropped Sienna off at kindy. And I thought, I just need a moment. I'm just going to eat something. I hadn't eaten dinner the night before either. So I was like frigging starving. And I said to the lady, oh, hey, what would you recommend? And she said, I'd recommend this. Done. Uh, honestly, in that moment, I thought, thank you. That's exactly what I needed. Not like, oh, it depends. No, nah, yeah. keep it simple. I appreciated it in that in that space, in that moment. And you've asked for it. That is a brilliant example. Thank you for that. The other thing that was interesting in this article was seek out wise criticism. So reserve time in your week for the regret that comes with getting things wrong. This is an interesting one for me. It says, I promise the feeling will go away and something else will appear in this place, which is learning. So he says in this article, I write to learn. So many times, I think in a workplace setting, particularly if you're entering a new job or you're returning from mat leave, you can go in and have that notion of like, I'm not doing enough. I've stuffed up on something. You know, I'm not across this fully, but I need to provide an answer, but it might not be the right answer. Sometimes it's good just to take a breather, allocate like 20 minutes and be like, okay, what went wrong this week? Sit in it for a minute and be like, okay, that's a learning process. It's time to move on. Don't sit there and be like, I'm not excelling at my career. I'm not excelling at motherhood. All this shit's going wrong. Like it's just a microsecond in your day. That's a really interesting strategy. I think it would also lead to you communicating better whatever has gone wrong or whatever you do need help with. If you sit down and identify it, you're probably more likely to go to your manager with a more obvious and clear set of what needs to happen or what you need from them. Yeah. The end of this article says Albert Einstein, and I hate quoting people like this because I'm like, mate, it's Albert Einstein. Like no one can compare. Oh, do you? But it's a good quote. It says, (laughs) smart people simplify things. And I... Taking it back to motherhood and career, my thinking is you don't need to know it all. You just need to put your mum hat on and like you would during a toddler tantrum, go back to basics. Remove yourself and be like, okay, what needs to be done here? What is essential and what is fluff? You are blowing my mind this morning with simplicity, which goes to show that simple really is best. I think that's so good. It's like identifying, okay, what could I do to fulfill the toddler's needs. Do they need some food? Do they need some quiet time? Do they need to sleep? Go back to basics. I love that, Lozzie. That's great. This actually reminded me of a show I have been watching that I A, want to recommend and B, touch on. So the show is called Trying. It's on Apple TV. Have you ever seen it? I'm going to guess the answer is yet again, no. no. <laughs> I, I can't keep up with these subscriptions. There's too many. I know. I sort of, I'll do Apple like one month and then cancel it the next. And then I'll be like, oh, I really need to watch this show. I've got to get it again. So I totally understand. Speaking of finances, hey, we spoke about that recently. Oh, sorry. It's a great show though. It's about a couple that can't conceive naturally in inverted commas. And they're looking into the adoption process. It has a bit of a quirky, heartfelt charm of either like Afterlife or Shrinking with Jason Siegel. I highly recommend the show. But within it, there's characters called Karen and Scott. They are a couple. Karen is a teacher and Scott is this sort of like superfluous, very, very snobby, thinks he's very intelligent writer. And he's starting to write a book and she sits down and looks at his first page deletes everything and goes at school it's all about keeping it simple and then she starts writing this book for him she takes out all the fluff all the nonsense and crafts like a brilliant story for him and it really reminded me of this I also love Lou that you're like I'm watching all these shows but I'm like I remember those days I remember watching all those shows when I 
had a tiny baby and I was up all night. Yeah, exactly. Hayden, when Hayden falls asleep, I'm like, perfect time to put on my shirt. <laughs> I'm rewatching nice. The Bold Type at the moment. I don't even know why. I find half the characters annoying. I just love the boss, Jacqueline, and I love Sutton. Um, find the other two annoying. To well, be I've honest, got a tip for you actually. If you want a new one, if you want a new, um, probably seen it, but hit me. <laughs> Rom com. Have you have you watched One Day? No. Oh, holy mother! A girlfriend recommended to watch it, and I was I binged it, and then she's like, "Just be warned," because the last episode is like you know takes a bit of a turn, and I'm like, "Okay." I woke up the next day. I sent her a photo. My face looked like I'd been hit by a car. My eyes were so puffy. I was his. Oh no! Howling would be the word I would describe myself. I can't watch it at four and a half weeks postpartum. I'll check back in oh, in the <laughs> I would cry enough for five cities. I would drown people with my tears if I watched it now. But I will one day, Lozzie, I promise. No, Pardon good. the pun. So that is a recommendation and they are brilliant tips within there, Lozzie. Let's take it back to basics. Stop trying to impress everyone by being fuckwit. <laughs> it's better to keep it simple. Ah, yes. A damaging obsession. How we present success used to be the car or house. Now it's how we look. Australians' body image problems are getting worse. All right. I got to start off by saying a couple of weeks ago, I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought to myself, fuck, you are looking haggard. It's so bad, isn't it? I the same. It has gone past tired. You look old. Like I'm not even joking. <laughs> and this is nothing to do with age. Like I'm happy with my age. I'm super excited about, you know, next couple of years when I turn 40th, I'm already planning my party. I love you. I mean, it is quite some time away, but I'm like, I'm fucking excited. Like it's not the number that bothers me. You're not worried about being heading towards your 40s. No, absolutely yeah. not. But something within me is like, I just don't feel like myself. Like genuinely, when I looked at my face, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like like one of those moments where you don't quite recognize yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, it's yeah. gone beyond tired now. Like this makeup can't fix this. So I booked <laughs> myself in to get Botox. And I got to say, like outwardly, I fucking love it. So like, where do you get Botox? Talk to me. I got it in like my frown lines. So yep. like, here's an example. I mean, obviously no one can see this, but I can show Luke. <laughs> I like, think I'll have to make this a social clip. You actually, <laughs> you actually can't <laughs> see anything. It's incredible. So not only do I not look angry anymore, but I don't feel angry, which is, you know, part of the concern that I had in the first place. Um, and I just got some of it just to soften the lines in my head. So I still have expression, you know, I can lift my eyebrows. I mean, not as much as I used to be able to, but there's enough movement to make me happy. Yeah. Um, but I must admit, it's not even to impress other people, but it's to feel good about myself. Mm. So naturally, this was a topic that when I was thinking about it a couple of weeks back, I'm like, well, it has to be talked about because 100%. from my perspective, like so many people are doing this. Found a couple of great articles, but I wanted to read you some stats that I found super interesting. This particular article, A Damaging Obsession, talks about a couple of things. It says, what's considered normal or extreme comes down to who you hang around with. Depending on your social circle, you might consider makeup unusual or regular Botox injections the norm. Spot on, because I have lots of different groups of friends and some groups of friends are like, oh, hey, should have done this years ago. You know, just a little top up. Others are like, I've never done it. Who do you go to? I'm so nervous as a doctor, blah, blah. So it really depends on who you're hanging out with and how normal that presents. One thing that is proven, and this is backed up by stats, is that most of us, not all of us, 
most women are opting for body modifications more than ever. And more of us are judging the choices others are making. So there's that level of judgment around it. But it's so bizarre because in some groups, it's like the cool thing to do. And in other groups, it's like a taboo thing to do. And in other groups, it's like something that people do that don't talk about. It's so strange. So here's a couple of stats for you. It is estimated that the overall market for Botox will surpass $6 billion by 2027. (laughs) Australia is the highest injectable neurotoxin users, so Botox users, at 2.5% of the global population. You're kidding. We're bigger than America. Yep. And like UK. Aussies are spending more than $1 billion every year on more than 500,000 procedures, making it more popular per capita than in the US. So yes, we surpass the US. Wow. In the age group of 22 to 37, about 38% have had Botox treatments. Almost half want surgery to make them feel better about themselves. And often cosmetic surgery recipients report that their insecurity began with a nasty comment. Mm. The other thing that's been really interesting is that when you look at trends of Botox and injectables and the time of year that people tend to get them, what researchers are finding is that they actually line up with those back to school periods. That's incredible. There's another article that I read that was called um, Back to School Botox, and it's rising for some mums to look good in front of school peers. Well, it's probably because they've just either been in the sun or they're exhausted from looking after their children. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly why. Yeah, no shit. You get to the old days and you're like, whoa, I'm looking old. How scary is that? Because it goes to show that like the pressure that you feel as a teenage girl at school when you get to the school gate every day to look a certain way as you're growing up doesn't necessarily leave you as a mum. No. I think it is fascinating that it did say that from this research, a lot of people do um, have cosmetic procedures due to nasty comments. I find that so fascinating because I don't think that's just something that like if someone said something to you when, when you're older, you kind of, not you brush it off, but you have more resilience built up. So I feel like some of these comments are probably stemming more so when you're younger and they're carrying through to your life. I could not agree more. It's like those deeply held insecurities that you have that you maybe can't even remember exactly who said it, but it's like those things that you think are like universal truths about yourself that you just carry through life. Yes, but I would also say the opposite in some ways. So like I will say when like last week I caught up with a girlfriend, she's like, gosh, you're looking fresh. And I was like, thanks. (laughs) I'm feeling fresh. And she's like, you're like sponsored by Botox. Yeah. (laughs) Have you done something? And I was like, yeah, I got Botox. She's like, oh, Loz, it looks amazing. And I was like, thanks so much. But then also I was like, as in it was the most lovely comment and I do feel really good about it. But at the same time, I was like, how funny that we're so conditioned to comment on appearance and maybe that's why the injectables market is so high. I have literally written that as one of my notes in this production schedule that you wouldn't have seen yet because I only added it before we got on. But that is literally one of the comments in my notes I've added below. It's so bizarre how much agency we have to comment on others' appearances. Yeah, and it's always well-intended. I do it. Like, I'm not having a go at your friend. So you're, I mean, now that you're a mum of two, obviously newly in, are you thinking personally, like, be honest, would you consider getting Botox or are you thinking more about cosmetic procedures or is it something that has crossed your mind since becoming a mum? Like, I'm I curious I would never be a cosmetic procedure gal. I'm just not that way inclined. If mm-hmm. I get Botox... Part of me thinks I'll get it as like a, if you can't beat them, join them thing. Yeah. I think it is in my future. Secondly, I've never aged more drastically than since becoming a mum. 
And if I was to get Botox, it'd be that area under the eye. That's where I just feel a bit tired. I would say that it's less the frown lines for me. Um, but I do look at myself it's in the mirror and so think, damn happy. You <laughs> yeah, I'm never frowning. I never frown. Yeah. I'm so peaceful. I'm obviously but angry peace. as fuck because my face shows. No, me. I think my anger comes through my eyes probably. <laughs> um, so I definitely look in the mirror, as you say, and go, who are you? You are tired. You've got dark yeah. circles and you're getting pretty saggy under those eyes, sweetie. So do I think I will get Botox? I've never had it. If in five years' time I've never had Botox, I'd be quite surprised, to be totally honest. I reckon I'll have a little sprinkling here and there. But what's – I find it unusual too, like there's a badge of honour in both camps. So there's a badge of honour if you've had it. Yeah. Like good on you, treat yourself. Yeah, preventative. I don't know if it's preventative. Who knows and why. also like good on you for being, you know, proud and out about it. Who cares? You should be able yeah. to do what you want with your own body. Absolutely. But then there's this other camp of like – no, I wouldn't say like taking the moral high ground, but there's another camp that's like age gracefully. I'm yes. not doing it. No yes. distract. Like I don't care if other people do it, but I'm not. And I'm like, I almost respect so both fascinating. too. Yeah. Cause I'm like, you should, you know, we should really be comfortable with the way we're naturally meant to age. But also if you want a little bit of a procedure done, it's your body, it's your face. As long as people are doing it for the right reasons and happy with the result, go for it. Yeah. It's just interesting though that I have found it amplified since becoming a mum. Yes. I definitely feel more need to do it. Like I don't think in my late 20s when my friends started getting it that I was thinking I'll be joining them soon. I wasn't judging them, but I don't, because I didn't even notice. So I was like, it's so subtle that I can't even tell. So yes. who cares? But I definitely was probably not thinking about it, whereas now I'm definitely thinking about it more. The other part of me does think maybe as part of this, and, and I'm curious to see if you agree, Lou, maybe part of the rationale, particularly for mums, is number one, we're not eating that well. Most of us are dehydrated. Our skin texture changes from having children. The elasticity changes in, in your body, including your face. You then go to school. You're forced into a situation where you're making friends with people that you don't know. And innately, I feel like even at school drop-off, you're trying to put your best foot forward. Exactly. So I'm Interesting. like, maybe this is the rationale behind it. I don't know. I'm not opposed to it, but like I can I can completely understand why it's rising, particularly why it's peaking over those school-based That's periods. That's really interesting. I think feminism is really interesting to look at here too because in one camp, it's like why are we subjecting ourselves to, I guess, these patriarchal ideals of what a woman should look like and keeping up appearance and like, you know, men – keep their jobs as news presenters for longer than women because of aging and looks and all that sort of stuff. So in one camp, I sort of totally agree with that. And I'm like, we shouldn't be, I guess, falling to these ridiculous beauty standards that are upheld for women. But then on the other hand, I'm like, you should have choice. And if you don't feel that great and there's an easy solve to do it, you go, sweetie. Yeah. The other thing I think was interesting in this article is it said that when they did some research into the, the reasons behind, so other than social shaming or nasty comments when they were younger, what could be other things that like externally would attribute to people getting cosmetic procedures? It did say things like selfie obsessions, front-facing cameras, Zoom, the general narcissism of a generation raised on the internet and the list goes on. And I was like, Why have what I does never that thought mean of for that? the next generation? Even Zoom, mm. like you look at yourself in the corner and you're like, I look like crap today. Well, I just said to you then, I'm like, I have to turn off my face today because like I could see myself when I was talking to you and it was giving me the ick. I was like, why do I, I don't want to look at myself. 
I would have associated selfies and the rise of social media with that, but I wouldn't have thought of it in how that then permeates through like online meetings and where else you see yourself Everything. that you didn't used to. It's quite amazing. Yep. I mean, there's filters and stuff for that now. Amen. But <laughs> Let's filter the crap out of this episode. <laughs> but one thing it did say is like, as a generation, how do we stop this obsession and this strong incline on getting cosmetic procedures if it's not necessarily necessary, right? Gosh, that's a lot of blah, 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 blah in the one sentence. <laughs> and it did say the easiest thing to do is stop talking about other people's bodies. I really noticed this in pregnancy, especially late pregnancy. I said to Hayden, I know it's well intended, but it's so bizarre how many people say to me, like, oh, you're just all bumped. Firstly, it's not even true. Like, I'm not saying I'm a big girl, but like, it's simply not true. I know that I've gained weight in areas and I know I look a bit different. So firstly, you're literally lying to me. Secondly, it's amazing how quick and free people feel to just comment on your body. And then I'm always like, Jade, I never know what to do with it because it just makes me feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't really care what you think about my pregnant body. It's more so after you have a baby when people ask you questions like, are you getting any sleep? Are you tired? Or you look tired, which is one that you and I absolutely love. All the time. Thank you so much. I am tired and I'm so glad it shows. <laughs> or you must be tired. And then I'm like, oh, I actually am not that tired. But if I must be that tired, maybe I am tired. And then I start looking at myself. I'm like, do I look tired? Yes. Like it's all yeah. these questions that go in the back of your mind. You're like, fuck me for 250 bucks. Like I just may as well just get a little dab dab. And then it's this problem would be solved. Then no one would be able to say to me, you look tired. I'd be like, ah, bullshit. Yeah. I do not. So the I root of the problem is not commenting on people's appearance. It's interesting the way it starts, obviously, especially for women as young girls. And then I think it really takes on a new life when you're pregnant and then you're postpartum and then you're a mum juggling all these things and people just keep commenting on how good you look. Even yesterday, I told my new mum friend that she looked good and I didn't actually mean in a physical way. I mean, she's beautiful. But what I meant more was like, go you, you're out with the two kids, you seem calm, you're nailing, you're nailing this. But I did say, you look good. And I find it really bizarre. Why did I do that? This is the perfect segue into our community poll this week, which was all about physical appearance, motherhood, and how the two intersect. Sleep or lack of in the first five years is difficult and full of challenges. I've used Ergo Pouch sleep suits with both of my kids and what I love the most about their range is that it takes the guesswork out of dressing your child safely for sleep, no matter the temperature. It also helps that their sleep suits are soft, wash well and have beautiful designs. We've had a sneak peek at their new autumn winter range and we know you'll love it. The new limited edition Pouch Tales Teddy Bear Collection features a retro-inspired chocolate and lilac picnic print and a party print with pops of colour on a neutral base. For the first time ever, Ergo Pouch is also introducing a 3.5 tog cocoon swaddle bag and two tog pyjamas for those extra cold winter nights. Head to ergopouch.com.au to shop the autumn winter range available from Thursday. So, Lozzie, you and I had been speaking about, can you hear her? Oh, yeah. She's so yeah, cute. That, that, yeah. one's, um, that one's audible, isn't it? Let's I check her on the group. Cute. One moment. Yeah. Thank you for your patience. She's still groaning, but hopefully you can't hear her now. So, Lozzie, we've spoken about this quite a bit, sort of the paradox of being in awe and loving our bodies. 
and being amazed by what they've done and what they can do. And then also being like, gee, motherhood's really kicked my face in, in <laughs> square and yeah. particularly it square in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> In between the eyebrows, to be specific. Yeah. yeah. The ass has gone flat. I used to have quite a round <laughs> behind, if I'm honest. It ain't round anymore. I'll tell you that much. The pancake so, bum. The return yeah, the of pancake the pancake bum. bum. Someone called it the mum bum. And I was like, wow, that's really true. It is. I oh, know. Seriously. So this poll received a lot of feedback, as I'm sure you're not surprised, because it's a topic that obviously isn't really talked about that much, but is close to a lot of our hearts, even if we don't want it to be. So the first question was, do you feel more in awe of or more blair about your body post-pregnancy slash baby? So option one, in awe. Option two, more blur. Option three, I'm saying that really weird. Option three, 50-50. How do you feel first? I reckon I feel 50-50. I think initially, particularly for my first baby, I was like, far out. I am unbelievable. But then as time progressed, I was like, ooh, a bit squidgy. But after the second one, after I mean, after the second one, Xavier, it's his name, <laughs> after I had Zave, I definitely felt not as in awe of my body because I feel like I had done it before and I was more like, fuck, will I get my body back? Like, shit. Yes. Do you, you've, enca- you've encapsulated what one reader actually, or one listener, I should say, sent in, so I'll share that at the end too. I am in the same camp, 50-50. I reckon definitely a bit more jaded second time around, not as like, whoa, you're amazing, your body's amazing. So what percentage of people do you think are in awe? Ah, in awe. Um, 30%. 17%, unfortunately, which is a little bit sad. That's a bit sad. I know. What about more blur? Oh, well, then it's got to be higher, like 60%. That's 39%. So that leaves 50-50 as 44%. I'm glad blur wasn't the highest, but it was the second highest and it wasn't far behind 50-50, which... Look, it's a bit disappointing, but hopefully at least I get it, it lets mothers know that they're not the only ones that feel that way. Yeah. So if nothing else, feel less alone. I asked this question with some pretty bad English, but I'm just going to say it how it is because I'm four <laughs> and a half weeks postpartum and everyone's just going to have to deal with it. Do you think you've visibly aged more quickly since motherhood? First answer is 100%. Second, not really. Third, haven't thought about it. Give us your answer first. 100%. Same. 100%. Like noticed at about six to nine months in with Freya. I was like, Jesus, I have never aged more rapidly. Even at that four to five month period when you start to like lose your hair. Yeah. Oh, it's it's stunning. It's quite wild (laughs) when you break it down, isn't it? All the things we go through. So what percentage of people agree with us, do you think? Mm, I reckon it would be high, like 60, 60, 90%. 90% of people. Oh, that's good. Yeah, at least we're not alone there. <laughs> wow. And then it was 5% each for the others, not really, and haven't thought about it. So okay. if you're looking in the mirror and feeling a little bit different since motherhood, pretty much everyone else is too. Good. My I mean, next good, question. No, good for us to feel less alone. But, you know, at least yeah. we're all the same. Yeah. yeah. You're like, there's a solve for that and it's $250. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My next question was finish this sentence if you feel like you need to get something off your chest. I'm in awe of my body, but dot, dot, dot. This was inspired by I'm a feminist, but, which we played and went through from the Guilty Feminist. Oh, I loved that. So what's yours, Lozzie? I'm in awe of my body, but. I wish it was more toned. That would be mine. I think mine's the same. I reckon mine's I'm in awe of my body, but I wish my tummy would go back to how it was. 
awe. I'm in awe of my body, but I wish it wasn't solely on me to grow and feed our children. I wish I could share some of it with AIDS, not all of it, because I do love it. And I think it's the most incredible miracle and process. But say I do decide to have a third kid, I'd probably like Aiden to have that kid, not me, but he can't. I know. So I will share. There were so many good ones. I think I'll have to do a post because I want everyone to feel seen in, oh my God, I cannot believe how many were shared actually. I want everyone Maybe to feel seen. Maybe just do top threes, I reckon. I'll, do yeah, I'll threes. do top three, but I'll have to put it all on a reel because I don't want anyone to feel left out. I'm in awe of my body, but I'd love to not look like I'm still pregnant three years later. Feel your oh. sis. Not that I'm three years later, but still, I totally understand. I'm in awe of my body, but I don't recognize it in the mirror and wish it was easy to lose the baby weight. I'm in awe of my body, but I wish I felt more autonomous, ready to have it back after feeding for two plus years. I'm in awe of my body, but I wish it was easier to give it what it needed. I think that's such a big one for mums. Yeah. Trying to look after ourselves the way we deserve to. Also, your body does change. Like one thing I've learned from having two a bit further down the track, well, not further down the track, like say it's just over one, but I did feel like with Sienna, not that I bounced back, but I felt like my body had changed slightly. Proportions had changed. Like my yes. back weirdly had like gotten bigger around my bra strap, as in I can't lose weight on my bones. Yeah. <laughs> as in physically, I was like, maybe someone needs to invent Botox for that. <laughs> like it was bizarre. I was like, how do I make my ribs smaller? I've noticed that because I was already in jeans at this stage in postpartum with Ray and it's luckily not giving me too much grief at the moment, but I have noticed that too. Second time around, my body's definitely changed more. But things widen and shift. I yeah. also feel like my hip positioning has yeah. shifted. I can't explain it. I can't lose weight off a weird no. hip it's proportion. It's like your hips widening. Exactly. Yeah, you can't it's change odd. that. It's so strange. Mm. I'll give you three more. I'm in awe of my body, but I miss my pre-feeding boobs. Totally get that one. Oh God, don't we all? I'm in awe of my body, but it seems everyone else has bounced back and looks good and I can't seem to. I wanted to read that one out particularly because I bet you every mum feels like that and we're so hard on ourselves, but no one looks at you the way you look at you. And lastly, and this was said in a variety of iterations, I'm in awe of my body, but that mum tum is hard to accept some days. Hopefully that it's makes a few. tum, isn't it? As yeah. in like, I actually don't know anybody that hasn't had some, not complex, but hasn't had some feeling about their stomach. Like even for yes. me, to be honest, my stomach was like my jam, like for my entire Same. life. I was actually going to talk about this. Like you and I, that's where we're narrower and smaller. And we smaller, probably gain always. weight in our hips and our bum, if anywhere. Yep. Yeah. Always. And then I always thought to myself, oh, like after Sienna, it kind of went back. It wasn't too bad. And I was like, oh, my stomach's like my thing, you know? Yes. It's like where I don't gain weight. But even that for me now, I, I feel like I've got my body somewhat where it used to be. I mean, it's never going to be the same. But things that I, I don't think people talk about is like texture of skin. Texture of skin is a huge one. It's like I perhaps got back to the old size, but I'm not as taught. There is no some flap there. Yeah, yes, totally like the agree. texture, you can't, because it's stretched. So it's yes. like, even though it's like as small as it was previously, like I'm still not happy. It doesn't look the way it used to. And it doesn't feel the same. Like if your baby touches you there, you're like, oh, yep, that's Woo. not like it was. <laughs> no. I couldn't agree more. And I actually thought about that because you and I are similar in that regard. So then the next question was, now let's get to the good stuff. What do you love about your body? 
And it could have been to do with anything, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, or it could just be about a female body in general. One person said that I can still get on with life, even if sleep deprived. I feel like that's a great one to call out. Good on, yeah. us, good on us all for picking up our bodies each day after everything we've been through and just getting through it. I think that's pretty amazing. That I sustained my baby through breastfeeding. Another great one to call out. If you didn't breastfeed, nothing to worry about. But if you did, awesome. Well done. The fact that it provides so much warmth and safety for my children. I think that's another beautiful reminder. We think of our bodies as these things that need to be perfect or go back to the way they were. Think about how your children looks at your body and the way they want to be enveloped by it. It's a totally different thing. We are like their safe space. And last one, I am so proud of what my body and I have done together. And each and every one of us should take that energy into the day as well. If a friend was struggling with their body and physical appearance related to motherhood or babies, what would you tell her? And this is the best, best, best quote I've ever heard. Your looks are the least important thing about you. And I've also seen an iteration of this that says your looks are the least interesting thing about you. And I think that we should all bloody pin that up somewhere in our houses, on our mirrors, and remember that. I'm not friends with my friends because of the way they look. I'm friends with them because of their hearts and their minds. So I think that is so important to remember. If you're pinning all of your value on your looks, like where's the substance? Yeah, yeah, you need to shift your priorities. I mean, we all do it and we all do it too much, but we need a priority shift if it's staying to really get us down. I will maybe make a reel of the other things that people would say to their friends, but I feel like that just hits the nail on the head. Yeah. Now we'll jump into four listener questions. The first one was dressing for postpartum when nothing fits and body feels so unfamiliar and ick. I actually got Liv Brown from Rattle Style to give some advice here and then some great advice came from listeners too. I loved this. Yeah, she's great. I really loved this. So she said, it's so hard, but comfort is key. Don't try and fit into old clothes, buy clothes in your new size. Figure out your new personal style and I can help with this. Who is the new you? And everyone else that wrote in wrote an iteration of that. They said, I bought new clothes in my new size and I couldn't believe how much better it felt. Doesn't mean you have to go out and spend heaps of money. I know it's hard, but you need to look after yourself. You can't just be trying to punish yourself into a size that maybe doesn't work for you anymore post Although I will say, I bought a pair of jeans post-pregnancy with Zave because I was like, I just couldn't fit into anything. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I need a pair of jeans. I still wear them all the time. Yes, they're a bit looser on me now. I almost wish I'd spent, I'd invest a little bit more heavily in them. Yeah. Because I wear them all the time because they're so comfortable. So maybe it's about identifying the clothes that I guess are important to you. Like if you love a good pair of jeans, for example, or if you love a good coat or if you love a good shirt, maybe invest in the thing that is very key for you in your wardrobe and then just slowly chip away at the other things in your new size or your new shape. Because also, I guess some people's bodies literally change in the curvature of them. So what used to work on you might not anymore. Like you might have once upon a time worn things that were tied at the waist, but now you don't. So just taking some time to learn the new you. The next question was any point trying to feel me again between baby one and two or wait until after? Oh, this is so hard. It is such a good question. I actually wrote an answer back to this when I shared it for other people's advice, which I'll share because for context, people sort of respond 
to my answer as well. Not saying I'm the gospel, which I actually do mention here. The Messiah. I said, I love this question. I'm no gospel, but if a friend came to me with this question, I'd say, get back to what makes you feel good, but think about the process more than the result. So if it's getting back to yoga, think more about how yoga makes you feel and what it does for your mind. And I guess how you feel afterwards, rather than the results of like trying to be more flexible, trying to be more toned or feeling more wholesome because you got to a yoga class. Likewise, if it was walking or running, get back into it because it clears your head, not because you're trying to lose weight. And then I also added and go slow and steady, drop expectations. Easier said than done, but it really is the only way as we know. I mean, I actually have a different opinion to you on that, Lou, which I feel like you're going to find quite jarring. But in my own experience, the older I get, the more difficult it is to shift anything. I think mentally, if you feel like you have put on a huge amount of weight and that it doesn't shift, get yourself back to a place where you feel comfortable before having your next baby. Yeah. The only thing I will say is if there was a really short gap, Like for me, for example, I basically stopped breastfeeding and was pregnant again. So, you know, you have to go steady in those circumstances. That is true. I know what you mean though. If if there's a big gap between your babies. Well, mine wasn't more so about losing weight. As in like one thing I found really interesting about my first and my second is that afterwards with Sienna, I actually felt quite weak. Yeah. So focusing on strength isn't a bad thing. Before Zave, I was like, I want to feel strong before everything starts to happen because it's just so much harder. It's so much harder to get it back. Yeah. I think results driven, if it's strength, I reckon that's okay. So I'm going to agree with you there. So not thinking so much about weight loss and putting your pressure on yourself to get back into your size 16. But if you are trying to get strong between babies, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's a great goal to have because as we know, your body does loosen. Oh yeah. Basically people added very similar answers to what I did. Someone said I did for health reasons and it set me up well for the next pregnancy, which I think is basically what you're saying. Yeah. Someone else said, even if it's only for five minutes, proves to yourself you can. So it's not too long after baby two that you can start to bring that incremental exercise or whatever it is back into your day. Yeah. And then one more person said, yes, it makes pregnancy and recovery so much better when you've done work to restore yourself. So again, the recovery, totally, 100%. Yeah, that totally feeds into what you've said. I do think too, just on a tangent, I do think something happens after you have your second kid and you give less of a shit. You still give a shit, but you give less of a shit because you have less time. I'm finding that. You're more time poor. I feel like you meet more mums that like aren't as put together or are a little manic or oh, shit does look a bit hectic and you can relate and then you're like, can let some things slide. Mentally for me, I'm never going to be back to where I was ever. I've accepted that. I don't want to get to a state where I feel gross about myself, but I also feel like I'm happy in the new body that I have, but I want to maintain it. Like I don't want it to slide to a point where like I don't feel clarity in my head. I wake up every day feeling sluggish. Like I don't feel strong. Like those are the things that I think are important, but some of the other shit, like being as anal about my diet, like I just can't. Like sometimes I need a Twix. Have to oh, have I always it. need a t- Twix. I cannot believe the amount of food I'm eating at the moment. Do you think then it's that the goalposts shift a bit because you're getting older, because you've been through the experience of creating a family and you're aging? So things just start to shift for you. You're not thinking about slimness. Some things do, but others don't. I don't think you're thinking about, well, for me, I'm, I'm not thinking about, yeah, being super petite or like the scale, the number on the scale. 
Yeah. But I am thinking about like, do my clothes Feeling good. fit? Yeah. Do I feel good? Do I feel fresh? Yeah. Do I feel strong now? Yeah. Do I feel strong? <laughs> the next question was, anyone shocked by the amount of rehab needed post-birth? I am in the 100% yes camp. Crazy. Not so much rehab specifically, but I did go to see a postpartum physio and I reckon I didn't do proper exercise until six months postpartum. And that really surprised me with Ray. Where do you sit in that camp before we get to the uh, stats? Um, no, no, no. I think I'm the same. I did a lot of walking, but I was surprised how weak I was after Sienna. Yeah. Like I was like, I've done so much walking. Like I feel so fit. And then you go to a class and you're like, whoa. Yeah. I know. And you think lifting a baby would make your arms strong, but it's a different no. muscle. It's weird. No. So what percentage of people do you think agree with that statement? Uh, that... I reckon high, like 85%. 91%, so super high. So only 9% of people anticipated that rehab or that recovery. So we can all, again, feel less alone. And the very last question here that I nearly forgot, but I love this DM. This person said to me, I guess I found it harder to go, wow, body, you're amazing the second time around. My boobs are lower, belly bigger, and I guess less time to find for myself to work on those things that make me feel good. This is someone that now has two kids comparing themselves to the first time around. So very similar to what you were saying. They then say, is it just me or is it harder the more kids you have? So the first option was not just you, I feel it. Second option was not my experience. Firstly, give yours and then let's guess the stats. Option one, absolutely. I feel like Things need to slide with the more kids you have, the less time you have for yourself, number one. And I think the less of a shit you give. Like, Yeah. And also like your body's going through it again. Of course, things aren't going to be the same as the first time. Like we need to be okay with that. I don't know how, exactly. but we need to find a way. So what percentage of people do you think agreed with not just you? I feel it too. Uh, so much. 95 well done, 97%. So oh, only 3% only of people ding, said that three. it wasn't their experience. So that is it. That is the poll about motherhood and appearance and how the two intersect. I think the follow-up questions will have to be specifically about Botox and procedures and how they have come into the chat for people since motherhood. I'm curious to know. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's just, it just fascinated me. Like I Love these conversations because it depends who you're talking to as to how deep you can go. And it's there's such a divide on opinions about it. It's so interesting. And as you say, you just go to a different group of friends and you might even change the way you talk about it because it's so different within that circle. A tip for this week. If you notice something that someone is doing well at work, in motherhood, in general, don't wait to give feedback as in don't wait to give them a compliment don't wait to like say something positive go ahead and say it I was on the train the other day I was with Sienna she was climbing on people's seats she found this lady that she took a liking to and she started talking to her and I said oh I'm so sorry and she's like no 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 that's fine and they were kind of chatting away and then I was kind of looking at Zave and she said well done you well done you for getting out and having a good time with your kids she's like that's good parenting and I was like Thank you so, I didn't say it at the time, but I thought, fuck yeah. Like that set the whole tone for my day. I felt chaotic. I felt like I was taking up her time. And then the other day I thought, you know what? I'm going to pay it forward. I saw this mum at the park. 
her kids were going a bit crazy. She was trying to wrangle them. And I said, you're doing a great job. She's like, I love this one so much. I was like, you know what, pay it forward, man. We should be saying this shit to people when we think it. Like someone's doing their best. If someone's, I don't know, doing something you admire, like just say it. Like so many times I think it and I never say it. And I'm like, I should. I could not agree more. Yesterday I took Posey and Ray out together for my first time. It was fucking unhinged. Ray was so, so wild. We got to the cafe, bought him the most expensive bloody breakfast because I was like, anything to keep you happy. He spills the whole chia pudding over himself, literally over himself and on the ground. My friends are cleaning it up for me. Ray needed a nappy change before that, even when we got there. Like he did a poo in the car, so I needed to change him in the front seat. Posey was crying in the back. I met up with my girlfriends and they, and it was just, it was so unhinged. We ended up leaving because Ray was just running around. And one of my friends held Posey while I got the car, got Ray in, came back, got Posey and we left. And all of my friends said, you're doing a good job. You're going to have days like this. And I was so grateful. And then I got to mum's house for a bit of a decompress and she had a friend staying with her. And after I left, the friend texted me, my mum's friend saying, you are a great mum. And it made me feel so much better because I was genuinely a little bit embarrassed about how unhinged we all appeared when we got to that coffee shop, which leads me to my tip. Getting out of the house in the early days of having two kids, maybe particularly two under two, I'm not sure. They're all unhinged, obviously, but maybe they're a little bit more unhinged if they're younger. Who knows? Anyway, my (laughs) tip on this is don't force yourself to get out with the good intentions of thinking that's what your toddler needs. We should have just stayed home yesterday morning, assessed Ray's mood more and just either taken it more slow to get out or not worried about meeting my friends either on time or at all. It just wasn't what Ray needed. It was a disaster. I guess I learned something from it. It didn't work. It just didn't work. So it's like don't force yourself out because you think you're doing the right thing for the older kid. Take your time, assess the moods, assess the situation and if you end up staying indoors until midday, who cares? Don't worry. So be it. As long as they're happy and as long as the mum is happy more than anything. Great tip, Lou. That is it, Lozzie. That is all she wrote. You are getting on a long haul flight tonight. You are leaving your kids I for am. the longest you've ever left them. I am. And I cannot wait to talk about this and also your return to paid work, which you're also navigating alongside the work we're doing through Witching Hour and Ready or Not. And parenting two kids. So you have a very busy time, which we will get to soon. And I can't wait to interview you instead of you interviewing me, which you have been for the postpartum diaries. So bon voyage, my friend. Have a great flight. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode. As always, if you have loved listening, please leave us a review. Every review really helps. Yes. And if you are not already following readyornot.pod on Instagram, please give us a follow. See you next week.